I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Let's Ride. I am Jeff Hartman, your host and co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning edition of this Let's Ride podcast, like I just mentioned. Before we get started, I want to thank everyone because a lot of you reached out to me via Twitter. I think we got a couple emails about Wednesday's show, how you enjoyed it whether it was the rant about Ben Roethlisberger, whether it was the heartfelt message at the end of the show, doesn't matter. I just want to let everyone know out there that reached out that I appreciate it. If you haven't checked out that episode, go back and check it out. But to do that, you have to follow us on our audio platform. So wherever you're listening, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Anchor, um, Apple Podcast, Pandora, you name it, just follow us so that you don't miss anything. That's not just Let's Ride. That's like yesterday's Dave Dave Schofield's awesome Steeler Stat Geek. I thought it was a phenomenal show. Uh, we're going to touch on some of the stats that he mentioned in my episode today as we talk about the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers playing in week six, but also all of our PM shows and the injury reports and the recaps of press conferences, you name it. So let's get started. Today's episode, Friday, we're gearing up for the game. That's right. This Sunday, Hinesfield, 1 p.m., the Cleveland Browns come to town, and it is the Pittsburgh Steelers' first AFC North game of the season. I still find it hard to believe that all AFC North teams have played at least two AFC North divisional games, except for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has not played one yet, but they're going to play two in the next three weeks, and we're going to talk about it. Look, the title of this podcast is obvious, and it shouldn't need to be expounded on, yet I am going to do that. It's time for the Pittsburgh Steelers to put up or shut up. And that includes their fan base, because right now the fan base is on cloud nine. They're 4-0. You can't ask anything more. Sure, we can look at certain aspects of the team. Most fans would point to the secondary and the defense and say it could be better. But in terms of wins and losses, you cannot ask for anything more. Period. 4-0. Perfect. Best start since 1979. The best start of Ben Roethlisberger's career when he started the season. Remember, he didn't start his rookie year. Okay? So keep that in mind. So are they contenders or are they pretenders? That's the question here. And I think the next four games are going to decide whether this is legitimate or if we're just looking at nothing but a facade. What would that facade be? That facade would be none other than the fact that, let's talk about this. Week one, they beat the Giants. They're 0-4. Week two, they beat the Broncos at home. They're 1-3. Then they beat the Houston Texans at home. They're 0-4. Then they beat the Philadelphia Eagles at home, and they've only won one game, 1-2-1. So you look at it that way, and you say, well, what's going on here? There's only been two wins amongst all the teams that they've played. 
is this team legitimate or is the first time they play a legitimate team, are they going to fall on their face? Well, that, right now we don't know. No one knows the answer to that question. No one does. But it is time for the Steelers to put up or shut up. And what I say by that is that think about these next four games. We know that they host the Browns this Sunday at 1 o'clock. Then they go to Tennessee. They play the Titans in that makeup game that was supposed to happen in week four, but got moved back to week seven. That's going to be a tough game. If you watch the Titans on Tuesday night, they look pretty good, especially down in Nashville. Okay, that's okay. Then they back to back, they come back, well, to the East Coast, more East. They go to Baltimore right after that. And the Ravens are going to be coming off of a bye week. Then they go on the road again to Big D down in Dallas. So again, it's Cleveland, Tennessee, Baltimore. Dallas. Yeah, that is a tough stretch. That's a tough stretch. And that stretch is going to tell the fans and everyone out there, media pundits, you name it, talking heads. It's going to tell them a lot about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, Michael Beck, host of the live mic and the host of know your enemy with Jeffrey Benedict on Wednesday nights, live on our YouTube channel. You can check them out. Go to youtube.com and search BTSE Steelers radio. You can check me out on the Steelers preview every Thursday night. Still, Michael Beck wrote an article that ran Thursday afternoon about the next four games really dictating the Steelers, whether they're contenders or pretenders. And he talked about all the scenarios. In other words, what if they lost the next four games? What if they just won one? What if they split? What if they went three and one and four and oh? Look, these games are tough games. Most everyone would say that the easiest game on this next stretch of four is probably Dallas. And Dallas is no cakewalk, especially at home. I know they lost Dak Prescott, but trust me, Andy Dalton is capable of winning a team that has weapons, and they have plenty of them. They have plenty of them down there in Dallas. Now, their defense, that's a different story, but from an offensive standpoint, they're still going to be able to score points, and it's a tough place to play. Pittsburgh has not had success in Dallas in recent years. We know Baltimore, we know Tennessee's tough, and we know that Cleveland is going to be tough. Anyone that says that Cleveland is not going to be tough, that it's going to be a cakewalk, hasn't watched the Browns. I'm not saying they're the best team in the NFL. I'm not saying they're a Super Bowl contender. What I am saying is that this is not your typical Browns team. Not at all. But what I am saying is that there are reasons that Steeler fans should have hope for this team heading not only into this stretch of the next quarter of the season, but for the long haul. There are reasons for hope, fans. There's reason that you should be excited. And I'm going to go through this. I'm going to give you three on offense, three on defense, before we go into our break, and then we'll get into our pick segment in the second half. All right, so offensively, let's start with the offense. In my opinion, reasons for hope for offense is Ben Roethlisberger is number one. Not, Not only is he the straw which stirs the drink for the Steelers, but also... Ben Roethlisberger is playing such an efficient brand of football. Completion percentage around 70%. No, he's not driving the football down the field, but I said it on Wednesday. I'll say it again. I don't care. They're scoring points in their winning games. They have tw- they average 29.5 points per game. Think about that, folks. Four games in, that's, that's a large enough sample size, and we can start referencing these stats and them having a little bit more magnitude to them, them having a little, carrying a little bit more weight. He's playing such an efficient game. He's not turning the ball over 10 touchdowns to one interception. That is the number one reason why fans should be excited. 
his above the shoulder game, the between the ears game is at a different level for him. He's playing great. He's playing great. And fans, unless the offensive line completely breaks down and he's under siege for a duration of a game, we haven't seen that in a long time. And I don't expect that to happen. Unless that happens, I think that Ben Roethlisberger is going to continue on this trend and only get better. So that's a reason for hope. Next, the Steelers have weapons galore. I mean weapons galore. Just listen to the names. You know them. Eric Ebron, Chase Claypool, James Washington, Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster. It's not even mentioning some of the running backs like Anthony McFarlane, Benny Snell Jr., James Conner, Vance McDonald. But here's, we all know that. That's nothing new. You might be sitting there thinking, Jeff, I already know this. I know this. I know the roster. But here's the kicker. This group is just getting warmed up. So let's look at this week as an example. Chase Claypool's coming off of a monster game where he scored four touchdowns, three receiving and one rushing. Had 110 yards, 7 receptions, 11 targets. So guess what the Browns are probably doing right now? They are probably watching film of number 11, the rookie from Notre Dame, and scheming up ways that they can slow him down. We have to stop this guy. We have to stop him. Well, guess what's going to happen? So let's say they say Denzel Ward's going to follow Chase Claypool wherever he goes. Okay, that's fine. Guess what that means for Juju Smith-Schuster? Guess what that means for James Washington? Guess what that means for Deontay Johnson if he's healthy enough? They're all going to have better matchups. And this is the beauty of the Steelers' offense in 2020. You know, we all talked about the Killer Bees back in the you know 2015, 2016, and 17. They were so good. But they were really just based around two guys. Yeah, Martavis Bryant was there, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell. They were awesome. This offense is different. This offense is versatile. This offense is dynamic. And it's going to show because if they take one player out, think about what Bill Belichick always did to the Steelers under the, in the Mike Tomlin era. I'm going to take away your best option and force you to beat me with numbers two and three and four. Well, guess what? If they were to do that now, the Steelers can actually withstand that. They can actually withstand that because this is not a focused offense on one, two, or three players. So these players that I just mentioned that we all know, man, they can still get better. And I think it's going to get better. As Roethlisberger gets more comfortable, as they get more comfortable with him, it's only going to get better, folks. It's only going to get better. And the last reason for hope for this Steelers offense going into this tough stretch is their running game. They have run the ball well this season, especially compared to last season where they didn't even come close to rushing or averaging 100 yards per game. They're averaging 138.8 yards per game. That's eighth in the National Football League. That's a really good number for the Steelers. That's a really good number for the Steelers. But also, they are balanced. And I mentioned this on Wednesday in the second half of my podcast on Wednesday morning. They have balanced for the first time in a long time. They've run the ball 122 times, and they've thrown it 143. No, it's not perfect 150-150 if, if there were 300 total plays, but it's as close to balance as you're probably going to see in today's modern-day NFL where everyone's pass-happy. The fact that they're running the ball is a tremendous sign, and it should be a reason for hope for the Steelers, offense at least, moving forward into the stretch. But what about the defense? What about the defense? 
Well, first and foremost, I think that this secondary is going to get better. I really do. Mike Tomlin was asked about this in his Tuesday press conference, and they said, Coach, what was the difference between the 2019 secondary that was so good and this 2020 secondary, which isn't horrible, but they're definitely not the same? Well, the first thing is, is that this is the same unit. Steven Nelson's back. Joe Hayden is there. Mike Hilton's there. Cam Sutton's there. Minka, Terrell Edmonds, they're all there. So this is definitely not a situation where there's just different players and they don't really know what's going on. This is a situation, and Mike Tomlin said this, where he said, look, you got got to keep watching. It's only four games, people. He said, if you were to look back in 2019 and compare it, you're going to see that we were probably pretty awful in the first four games of last season and that there is still a work in progress. There's still in development. I believe it. I really do. This is going to be a good test. Week six is going to be a good test. But even tougher tests are coming up, as we mentioned at the top of the show. So I do think that the secondary is going to improve, mainly because I don't think it's going to get worse. What we've seen so far is has been pretty bad, but I think that's probably going to be about as bad as it gets. So in that regard, Steeler fans might be able to sit back and say, well, maybe he's right. Maybe it's only going to get better. I have to think that Minka Fitzpatrick is going to wake up. I don't think it's him. I think that the offensive, or I'm sorry, the defensive calls, maybe they give him a little bit more freedom. Maybe the players start to trust each other a little bit more. I think Minka Fitzpatrick's going to start making some plays. I really do. And that's a reason to have hope for this defense. The pass rush is number two. I mean, my gosh, what else do I have to say about the pass rush? They have 20 sacks. That's tied for first with the Los Angeles Rams, but the Rams have played five games. Steelers only played four, averaging five sacks a game. And that is insane. That's absolutely insane. Now, will that streak continue of games with a sack? I find it hard to believe that it wouldn't. But at the same time, will the streak of five sacks a game continue? I'm not sure. We're going to talk about that when we get into the breakdown of this week six game with the uh, Cleveland Browns. But everyone should be excited about the pass rush. For all the issues and the question marks in the secondary, there's none about the pass rush. None whatsoever. And one of the reasons why I'm okay with this defense is because there are playmakers across the board. And this is number three. There are playmakers across the board. Think about it. TJ Watt, Bud Dupree, Cam Hayward, Stefan Tuitt, Devin Bush, Joe Hayden, Steven Nelson, Minka Fitzpatrick, Vince Williams has been playing like a standout superstar at his position within his role. When you have that type of talent, they're going to get it together. They're going to get it together. People that are concerned about points given up, they're still in the top five defensively because points are being scored at a ridiculous clip right now. Some say it's the defense catching up after not having any in-person workouts this offseason. I don't know what it is. But the Steelers seem to be right there. Now, we all expect them to be an upper echelon defense. I think they're going to turn into that, or at least close to that. They're still taking the ball away. They're definitely on the right side of the plus-minus battle. I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are really, I think they're going to step up in a big way in this stretch that's coming up. These next four games, it can be, well, contenders or pretenders. That's the ultimate question. Put up or shut up. We all hear the same talk. We all hear the same coach speak. We, we can only play the teams we play. Well, guess what? The cake walks over. You did exactly what we wanted you to do. You went in and you beat teams you should have beaten. Doesn't matter how you did it. You did it. 
But now, now we got some big boys on the schedule. Now we have some true tests on the schedule. Now we have the opportunity to see what you're made of. See what you're made of. Starts on Sunday, and it only gets tougher. But if I've, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Mike Tomlin coached teams since he's been the coach of the Steelers since 2007. I have feared him coaching in games where the Steelers are huge favorites to win more than I have big games where he has to get his team ready against a really tough opponent. And you may disagree, and that's fine. It's your prerogative. But ever since they had the toughest schedule in the NFL back in 2008 and 2009, and they went on that run, and that's when the it's a five-star matchup because we're in it. Every single week seemed like a heavyweight bout. He can get his team up for these games. The problem is, is that sometimes he doesn't have the same response against teams that they're supposed to beat. I think that all the teams they've played so far this year are teams they're supposed to beat. And they've beaten them. Going against the grain. So I think that this stretch, they're going to be up for it. This team's going to be focused. They're going to be ready to go. So there you go. Some reasons for hope for this team to respond and answer the bell. And maybe, just maybe, they will be contenders. And they will put up. Because if they don't put up, time to shut up. When we come back after this break, we're going to go through picks. I'll give you my prediction for Steelers versus Browns in a new segment. A little heart-to-heart. That's right. Or heart-to-heart. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Steeler fans, welcome back to part two, segment two, whatever you want to call it of this Let's Ride Morning Podcast on Friday. And it's Friday. We know on Fridays, it's picks. It's picks time. Time to get the picks going. My wins and losses are not looking good. Okay, 68, 85, and one is my win-loss total. I pick against the spread and over-under every single week. You can check out our picks on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. All of our writers, many of our podcasters also put in their picks every week. My picks are not good. They're not good. I'm 44% win percentage. Yeesh. But you know what? My risk index is high because I take risks. I take gambles. doesn't always pay off, but I take risks. So here we go. Week six, getting started. But before we get started, we got to get that music started. That's right. Hold on. Let me find it here. All right, and let's go. Week 6 starts off Sunday at 1 o'clock. The Houston Texans travel to the Tennessee Titans. The Houston Texans have not won a game yet. The Tennessee Titans are coming off a riveting, dominating win over the undefeated, previously undefeated Buffalo Bills on Tuesday night. 
Houston Texans are getting three points. That is not a big spread. The over-under is at 53. I say take the Titans, giving three, only a field goal. Trust me, I don't care if it's a division game. I'll take the Titans to win this one by more than three and take the over of 53. I was impressed by the Titans on Tuesday night. Then the Washington football team, I don't even know who their quarterback is. I guess it's Alex Smith. They are going to the New York Giants Sunday at 1 o'clock. The New York Giants haven't won a game. Washington's only won one. That was a week one win over the Philadelphia Eagles. Washington is getting two and a half points. Call it a hunch. I feel like the Giants are due. I feel like Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones is going to make enough plays to win. I'll take the Giants giving two and a half at home, but I'm going to take the under of 42 and a half. This one might not be fun to watch. The Cincinnati Bengals, AFC North action. They're traveling to Indianapolis. Indianapolis just got beat by the Browns last week. Philip Rivers looks like a shell of himself, more of a shell than he ever could. He always looks like a shell, but still, he's there. I think that, you know, this is a big spread. Cincinnati's getting seven and a half, but Joe Burrow, what a performance last week. That was a dud because the offensive line of Cincinnati cannot protect. Indianapolis's defense is not bad. They're actually pretty good. I'm going to take Indy to cover here. I'm going to take Indy giving seven and a half. They'll cover that spread, but I'm going to take the under of 46 and a half. I just don't see Cincinnati scoring that many points. Every time I say that, they go on an outburst. Next, the Atlanta Falcons go to Minnesota. The Atlanta Falcons, they've gotten rid of Dan Quinn. Um, I'm not even sure who. I think it's Raheem Morris is the coach now down there in Atlanta for the rest of this year, the interim head coach. Minnesota's giving four points. Atlanta's a dumpster fire. Take the Minnesota Vikings, who still might be playing for something, giving four. The over-under set at 54. If there's one thing these two teams have done on occasion is score points, I'm going to take the over of 54, but I'll take the Minnesota Vikings to cover the four-point spread. The Chicago Bears travel to Carolina. This is a weird game to pick because Carolina has been better than expected, especially without McCaffrey at running back. The Bears are... With Nick Foles winning football games, the Bears are getting one and a half points. I'm going to take Nick Foles and the Chicago Bears over under 45. I'll take the over because I think Teddy Bridgewater and Foles will score some points. Chicago Bears getting one and a half. I'll take them in the over. Next, the Detroit Lions head down to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Detroit's coming off their bye week. You hope they get healthy. Matthew Stafford, Jacksonville. They're kind of a team in transition with Gardner Minshew at quarterback. They've got some young, talented offensive weapons. I'm going to take the Detroit Lions getting three. I'm sorry, giving three points here on the road. I think they come off the bye and they look pretty good. I think they win under 54 and a half is what I'll take. I don't think it's going to be a high scoring game, but I'll take Matthew Stafford giving three points to win this game. Cleveland and Pittsburgh. We'll get to that game in a second. Baltimore traveling to Philadelphia. The Baltimore Ravens again are coming off of a huge win over the Cincinnati Bengals in Week Five. Philadelphia is coming off a tough loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers in Week 5 in Pittsburgh. But this is at home, and Philly's going to have fans in seats. That's right, about 5,500. Just like Pittsburgh last week, Tom Wolfe is the governor of the entire state, after all. I think the Baltimore Ravens are going to win this game, but I don't think it's going to be by a large margin. Philly's defense is pretty good. Philadelphia is getting 7.5 points here. I'm going to take the Eagles getting 7.5. Over-unders at 47. Take the over. Denver Broncos and New England Patriots right now is off the board based on the fact that no one knows what the Patriots' COVID situation is going to be, whether it's going to be moved from Sunday at 1 or not. There's no line. There's no over-under. I'm going to take the New England Patriots to win no matter what the spread is. And with the over-under, I'll take the over. We'll put it that way. I don't even know what it is. New York Jets, Miami Dolphins. 
This is a 4:05 game on Sunday. It's in Miami. The Jets just got rid of Le'Veon Bell. Who knows? I think Joe Flacco is quarterbacking the team this week. This one is could be ugly. Miami just throttled their Week Five opponent. I like the Miami. I think the 49ers if they beat so bad. Miami Dolphins are on a roll. I don't think Tua is going to be seeing the field anytime soon. I'll take the Miami Dolphins actually giving nine and a half and covering, but I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring affair. The Jets have no offense. Take the under of 47 points. This is going to be a good game to watch. 425, I think this is a nationally televised game on Fox. Green Bay Packers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers down in Florida. Aaron Rodgers is coming off of the bye week. They might be one of the best teams in the NFL that no one is really talking about. While everyone's talking about the NFC East and how bad it is, no one's talking about how good the Green Bay Packers are. Green Bay is giving one point. I know it's Tom Brady. I know they have a dynamic offense. and I know they're coming off of that long rest after playing on Thursday night last week. I still like Green Bay. I like Aaron Rodgers to win this game. I'll take the Green Bay Packers. Even though they're giving a point, they'll cover. Over under 54.5, I will take the over. The Los Angeles Rams play the San Francisco 49ers in San Francisco. This is a Sunday night game. LA is giving three and a half. I'm going to take the Rams. The 49ers are a dumpster fire. They look like a shell of themselves, the team that won, was in the, in the Super Bowl last year. The Rams look good. Jared Goff looks like he figured things out. Aaron Donald is unblockable, as he always is. I'll take the Rams giving three and a half. Over under 51 and a half, I'll take the under. On Monday Night Football, Kansas City. Remember, we have two Monday night games. This is at 5 p.m., folks, on Monday. Kansas City and Buffalo were supposed to play on Thursday. They moved it to Monday at 5. Kansas City Chiefs are giving three and a half points in Buffalo. Kansas City's coming off their first loss of the season against the Las Vegas Raiders last week in Arrowhead. They're going to be ticked off. But so are the Buffalo Bills. I'm still going to take the Kansas City Chiefs giving three and a half. Over under 57 and a half. Take the over. This one could be high scoring. Lastly, the Monday night game that starts at 8.15, the Arizona Cardinals in Big D in Dallas. Arizona is giving two. Kyler Murray has never lost in AT&T Bank Stadium. That dates back to high school. I don't think he starts now. I think the Arizona Cardinals, even though they're giving two points, they go into Dallas, they win. Over under 55, take the over. I think Andy Dalton has a good game. I think he's going to keep the Dallas Cowboys competitive. But ultimately, I don't think it's going to be enough to win. I'll take the Arizona Cardinals to win. So let's get back to the game that does matter. The Cleveland Browns in Pittsburgh, Heinz Field, 1 o'clock game. Dave said in his in his podcast the other day that it's going to be Tony Romo and Jim Nance. I'm not sure what I think about that. Tony Romo can be a little annoying, but still, 1 o'clock, week 6, Cleveland, 4-1, Pittsburgh, 4-0. Pittsburgh is giving three and a half points. This has actually gone down. The opening line was four. It's gone down to three and a half with an over-under of 51. Oof, this is a tough one, folks. This is a tough one. I like the Steelers to win this game. I actually like them to win it rather handily, believe it or not. I actually like the Pittsburgh Steelers to win this game 30 to 17. 30 to 17, a second half explosion. They pull away from the Browns. That's just shy of the over-under set at 51. So I'll take the Steelers giving three and a half, and I'll take the under of 51 just because I don't think Cleveland's going to do much damage because they're not going to be able to run the ball. And we will break that down a lot more on the Steelers preview on Thursday night, which you can hear on our audio platforms on Friday. Woo! Man, that is a lot. That's a lot. I I wish... If I ever have a week where I win a lot of games, I'm seriously going to queue up the Mike Singletary quote. The, I'll, I'll get it on the podcast so that when I say it's our winner segment, and then boom, you hit it. I want winners. 
I want people that want to win. That's the quote I've been dying to use. That's the clip I've been dying to use in this podcast. And I just, I I haven't had a chance because I stink at it. I'm awful. Okay, so last segment here, the last part of the second half. I said in the last podcast, or it might have been Monday, like, hey, if you have any questions or you want to hear something special, why don't you send me an email, hit me up on Twitter, which you can follow me on Twitter at jhartman, H-E-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. And believe it or not, the man, the myth, the legend, the Jerry Cherry band, the guy who does all of our music for all of our podcasts, except the live mic. Not sure what he uses. And he's from Canada. Give him a break. So anyways, uh, Jerry Cherry, who does 99.9% of our music for our podcast, he sent me a message on Twitter and said, hey, man, you should do a heart to heart segment like H-A-R-T to heart, which is funny because when I was in middle school and in high school, they used to always call me. Hitman Hartman after Brett the Hitman Hart because my name is spelled H-A-R-T. I was like, you know what? That's a good idea. Let's do a heart to heart every Friday after the picks where I talk about whatever I want to. Here's what I'm going to talk about this week. Cleveland Browns fans. Cleveland Browns fans. Going to tell you a story. So I grew up in Wheeling, West Virginia. And if you don't know anything about where Wheeling, West Virginia is, Wheeling is the little piece of the state of West Virginia that is pinched between Ohio and Pennsylvania. It's called the Northern Panhandle. I can be in Pennsylvania in 10 minutes. I can be in Ohio in five. It's, that's where I grew up. It's shockingly, well, actually, it's not shockingly. <laughs> Everyone in Wheeling always clings to the Pittsburgh teams. It's Pittsburgh country. It's rare that you find someone that roots for the Browns or the Bengals, even though we're so close to Ohio. Yet there are a lot of people from Ohio that visit Wheeling for a variety of reasons. Great golf courses there. Uh, There's a casino. There's a dog track. Uh, A lot of people come to Wheeling for those reasons and more. I'll never forget, we were golfing one time, and in front of us, we couldn't help but notice it was a very busy day on the golf course. There were some Cleveland people there, and they were loud and boisterous, and one of them had a Cleveland Browns golf bag. And I said to my dad, ugh, Cleveland fans, are you serious? And so we ended up catching up with them on a tee box. Like I said, it was a busy day. We're talking. And this was right after they drafted Johnny Manziel. The Cleveland Browns had just drafted Johnny Manziel. Money Manziel. And boy, were they just jawing. And they were just chattering up. The Steelers are going down this year. Meanwhile, we're just kind of like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. Sure, whatever you say. You have fun, Browns fans. And I just kept on saying, man, you can't trust Browns fans. And my dad looked at me and said, are you nuts? I said, what? He said, if there's anyone you can trust, it's Browns fans. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're Browns fans. He said, if you want to talk about their judgment, that's different. But when you talk about trust, think about it. Those fans have been through the ringer and they're still fans. He said, I would trust a Browns fan more than any other team that's any other fan that's not a Steelers fan in the National Football League. And I was like, you know what? He's right. He's right. And when he's right, he's right. And he's right. Cleveland Browns fans have been through a lot. I mean, think about Steeler fans. You know, we gripe and complain when our team gives up over 250 yards passing, when we let an opponent score over 20 points. Like, we gripe about this stuff. When they don't miss, when, you know, the Steelers complain when their team misses the playoffs once. The Browns haven't been in the playoffs for years. The last time the Browns started 4-1 and one was in 1994. Bill Belichick was the head coach, and Nick Saban was on his staff. 
Browns fans have been through the ringer, the team leaving, them coming back, being nothing but a bottle of dysfunction. Coaching carousel, quarterback carousel. I mean, we all know the jersey that's on Twitter where someone has literally just taped a new name underneath the jersey every single time they have a new starter. For Browns fans, I don't I don't wish the Browns any like joy. I don't hope that they win games. But for Browns fans, they've been through a lot. They've been through the ringer. More so than Steeler fans ever have been and probably ever will as long as the Roonies are in charge. I mean, when we're talking about the Browns now, we're talking about the Steelers back in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and even the majority of the 60s. They were just the laughing stock. They were the laughing stock of the league. That's what the Browns have been. They've been a punchline. So for the Browns fans out there, if you stuck with your team, kudos to you. Kudos to you for sticking with your team. Because you know what? As a Pittsburgh fan, And I say Pittsburgh fan because I'm not just a Steelers fan. I'm a Pirates fan and a Penguins fan. I know what you're talking about. Pittsburgh fans that follow the Pirates know exactly what they're talking about. So if you're someone like me that is stuck with the Pirates through all those 20 years of losing, you got to see a little bit of success and they're back on their losing trend. You're a glutton for punishment, but you have to give them a little bit of respect. I don't have to give the team respect, but the fan base, kudos to you. Stick with your guns, stay loyal. That's what we should be as fans, period, period. That's my heart to heart, the very first heart to heart. So thank you, Jerry Cherry, for recommending that. We will do that every Friday after my pick segment. Look, folks, that's a wrap. The next time you hear from me will be with the Steelers Injury Report podcast in the afternoon, and then it'll be in the post-game show after that 1 o'clock game on Sunday. Make sure you check us out on all of our audio platforms Make sure that BehindTheSteelCurtain.com is your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. In the meantime, folks, have a great weekend. Be kind, be safe, and God bless. Go Steelers. Here we go.